Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello, everybody. Welcome to this week's podcast. There's a lot of good stuff to talk about this week, so let's just jump right in. Well, starting us out is a post that's a bit on the nerdier side of things. I've been saying that I'm going to be doing more beginner-focused videos just to welcome more people into the community, but I also wanted to let everybody know I'm still deep into the super nerd stuff. And a conversation with Stee ended in him uh, very patiently going through and leaving me a bunch of really great notes on something that I turned into a post called Calculating Feminine Resistance, which basically is a theory that says... The, uh, the voltage of two points will always change based on the resistance. So for things like Super Nintendo or uh, Neo Geo, it has two connectors. Uh, you know, let's just say your TV and the chips on the Neo Geo and whatever resistance is on the TV will change the voltage of that circuit. So it's kind of in-depth. I'm over, way oversimplifying it now. Uh, and it doesn't apply to things like Sega Genesis Sync because there's other stuff in there. There's a capacitor that messes with it. But while there's a lot of if ands, or buts about this, I found this whole thing pretty amazing. In fact, every time I really sit and, and try to learn something that Master Steed teaches us, I'm always kind of fascinated at how other things start to make sense at the end of it. So this basically just walks through how you would calculate something like that. A um, bunch of great examples from Steve that I basically just copied and pasted and pre-wrote. Uh, and then I asked Steve to sit with me and idiot-proof it. And for anybody reading, this is idiot-proofing it for me when I need to go back and reread this when I forget something. I don't want anybody to think I talk to other people this way, but I have no problem idiot-proofing something for myself. Uh, but if anybody's new to this stuff or just starting out or needs a refresher, um, you know, reading through and then finding this part here will definitely put it into perspective for you. But I just thought it was really awesome. You know, I was able to figure out and visualize with real examples, you know, like we followed up with the Neo Geo, that really showed how these circuits work and how the voltage and resistance uh, go hand in hand and affect each other along the way. So if you're looking for a very deep dive nerdy thing to get you started down more video signal stuff, definitely give it a read. Uh, if you really don't care why, you just care how, go right ahead and skip this one. But I am going to continue doing uh, across the spectrum. So beginner stuff, deep dive stuff that I could even barely understand myself and everything in the middle. Someone has just designed a JAMA interface for the Mr. FPGA project, which I think is absolutely incredible because there's so many great arcade cores that I'd like to use inside a real arcade cabinet, and this should allow you to do just that. Also, with a combination of another device, you're able to interface a Raspberry Pi through it as well, which is my dream setup at the moment. Because yes, I know the Raspberry Pi is way slower than a modern PC and the emulation won't be as accurate, but I think this is a great combination of good enough for now and near perfect. Uh, or, or sometimes better than the original if you have an aging arcade board that you really want to take good care of and, and not beat up on all the time. So uh, 
this sounds something like something any arcade enthusiast would be really excited about. I really hope to get my hands on one to be able to test it. Uh, and of course, with the Raspberry Pi as well, because I just I, I think having a switching solution like that, I think the only thing that could be even better is if it also had, you know, a port for another JAMA board so that you could also just whenever you felt like it, plug in an existing arcade board and, and access that as well. So I'm very excited to try this. They're selling for 50 euros each, uh, and they'll be available directly from the creator. There's links in the description here, and they should be available for sale within the next week. So I'm definitely planning on getting one, and hopefully I can have a follow-up video that shows my experience with it. Someone has just taken the original Game Boy Super Mario Land and rewrote it from scratch to be on the Super Nintendo. So it retains all of the original levels, but with brand new graphics. And they even took uh, the original music and rewrote that as well. And to be honest, when I first heard about this, my original thought was, oh, I wonder if there'll be an MSU1 port to have the original Game Boy audio. I don't even want to anymore after playing this. Whoever did it did a ridiculously good job on everything. I had so much fun playing it, and I had very few critiques or criticisms, if you will, and the only thing that kind of bugged me about it was already addressed. Um, Mario makes a, a noise every time he jumps, kind of similar to the modern games, um, and there's a few different ways to get rid of that. Uh, QWERTYMOTO found an action replay co uh, code that would work and a way to patch the ROM so that you could, uh, you could remove the yell, and there's also a way from a Discord user Phoenix that you could just make yourself a patch that you could put right on the SD to SNES if you're using it that way. Um, yes, it does run on original hardware via ROM carts. I also played it on the Mister. One quick note, if you're using it on the SD to SNES, you have to turn off the one-chip transient fix. That's the brightness thing, I believe. But overall, I was just blown away at how good this was. Um, the only other tweak that I, I, I guess I hope somebody would look at is it, the controls felt a little slippery i guess is the best way i found myself often falling off ledges and stuff and yes of course i'm aware that the original one didn't actually didn't have the best controls or anything but i just think for a game this amazing i'd love to see a few a few little polishes done because i was just blown away about everything the music the graphics how accurate the levels were how good all the enemies were and all that stuff um and you know the only other complaint i heard was that weird way you throw the fireball but that's exactly the way the original was and I kind of like that it stays true to that otherwise it would essentially just be more of like a Super Mario World style game but I mean you really have to see it to believe it if you own any way of playing this game on original hardware you got to give it a try and just see how cool it looks so you know whoever this mystery developer is amazing job I'm so impressed and I'm so happy I got to play this there's been a lot of cool updates regarding the open source scan converter lately, and Firebrand X just posted a video showing one of the coolest things that happened. So now you're able to take profiles for single consoles and have them saved as JSON files and put those together to create your own profile packs. So there are people in the community like Firebrand X that have gone through and figured out the exact timings for each console. And uh, Firebrand has these his versions available on his website now. And you're able to take these JSON files and upload it to a website that allows you to fill these files into up to 15 profile slots and then save it both as one master JSON file and as an image file to flash to the OSSC. 
That way, for situations like what I just ran into, I only had about eight profiles that I wanted to load, um, so I manually imported each of the JSONs I got from Firebrand X. For a few of the other stuff I'm working on, I kind of copied one of those that was closest and then reset all the settings. So I had seven or eight profiles in there and saved it to that one JSON file. And then when I wanted to add profile number nine in there, I didn't have to reload one through eight again. I just took that one file that I saved off. It automatically popped up with the eight that were already there. And then I just added the ninth, making this super easy. Then, of course, you save everything to an image file and flash it uh, the same way you would like a Raspberry Pi image. Stick that into your OSSC and flash those profiles that way. We kind of go over in the interview with Marcus, which I'll talk about in a bit, uh, exactly why that is. I thought that was pretty interesting. So this is it. I mean, this is as close as you're going to get to being able to just drop individual profiles on an SD card and load it into the OSSC. It only adds a few additional steps, and I think it's awesome. And also, I want to throw a giant shout out to Paul NB, Paul BNL, sorry, I'm, I'm getting your name wrong. I think I might have even spelled it wrong in the post, but Paul, uh, when this, when we started to all figure out in the Discord that this was possible and you're able to use JSONs, within a day, Paul had updated the website in order to use this feature the way that I just described it. So just a giant thank you to everybody in the community that works on all these things together. It makes it possible for us to have all this. Um, I do realize that if you want to get the best settings, it's kind of a pain to set up the OSSC, but stuff like this really makes it worth it because now you have backups of everything, adding and removing a profile takes a little bit of work, but you don't lose anything. Like, email yourself the JSON file or something just in case. But, uh, I mean, this is pretty awesome. I mean, now anybody could do something like take a Super Nintendo, download this profile, uh, you know, fire up the 240p test suite, dial in sync perfectly, save it, and now you you have a perfect scale of your console on your flat screen. So, or capture card or whatever else you'd like to do. So once again, a giant thank you to everybody that works on these things and definitely give Firebrand's video a watch that explains how to do all this stuff. Some pretty incredible news. There's now a working core for Game Boy Advance on the Mister. So that means you fire up your mister, you just update it the way you normally would, and you could start playing Game Boy Advance ROMs on it. And even though it's pretty a pretty new release, it's still very accurate and very impressive considering it's only been out for a few days. Um, I talked to a few people on the mister team the morning this came out, and I spent hours messing with this thing, and I was just very impressed start to finish. Um, it's kind of interesting because... the. Uh, the goal of this was to have a zero lag FPGA Game Boy Advance core, but not a, a one for one chip accurate core. And what that means is the goal of this all is to be able to just play Game Boy Advance as accurately as possible, and that's it. Whereas a lot of these FPGA projects um, involve decapping the chips and you're making pretty much a one to one perfect board recreation from the original. And to be honest, I like both. I, lo I love that we have this. I, I think there was a tremendous amount of effort that went into doing this. And it's the bottom line is Game Boy Advance fans can play the game now. So um, I believe on day one, you had to add a special code into the INI file to get uh, RGB output working. Who knows, by the time this comes out, it might already be integrated right into it. I'm not really sure, but uh, at the moment, if you just download it and don't uh, do not do any customizations, you get HDMI out that looked great. Uh, there's even gamma options, just like I described in the GBA Consoleizer video. And it's, uh, I don't know, I'm just blown away and impressed because a bunch of people for a long time 
weren't sure if this was going to be possible anytime soon. And uh, regardless of how the, the project was, was approached, the bottom line is you could now play Game Boy Advance games on the Mister with no lag in all video modes. So, uh, you know, that's absolutely impressive. Thanks so much to everybody that works on these. And, uh, you know, if you have a Mister, definitely take the time to mess with this because I think you'll be impressed. Smoke Monster just put together a post about the status of some of the in-progress cores on the Mr. FPGA project, and as well as who their lead developers are. I think this is a pretty awesome reference for anybody that's been wondering about uh, the status of certain things. Because for me personally, I don't like to bother some of the devs, uh, especially when I see things like I'm on the Discord and I see somebody post like, hey, first boot on this core. I just, I feel like... If I just ran and, and read a, uh, wrote a post about that, it might put unnecessary pressure on them when people seem to forget that, or some people seem to forget that these are developers that are donating their time for an open source project that we all benefit from. So I don't ever want to put undue pressure on people. And also, you know, I think we've all been pretty good at nailing the releases. Like the Game Boy Advance Core was released, and I think I had the post up within an hour of that or something. So for anybody who was concerned that maybe some of the Mr. coverage was slipping, no, I think we all have a pretty solid grasp on it. We just try to post when it's most relevant. And I know also for me, I don't want to speak for the other writers, but you know, if it's late Tuesday night and I'm trying to get the podcast ready for Wednesday morning and I have time for one more write-up, if I have a choice between like a pre-order going out tomorrow and something really awesome that's not coming out for a month, it would be irresponsible of me to skip the pre-order one. So... You know, I just wanted to put everything together, but uh, I think everybody that's ever hung out with me knows that I love the Mr. Project and everything involved in it. So, yeah, you know, hopefully that, that settles some of the concerns that were out there, but I think we're all giant fans of the stuff, and we're looking forward to covering it as much as we can. And don't worry, when something's ready for download and ready for use, we'll absolutely let you know. I was lucky enough to sit down with Marcus, the creator of the Open Source Scan Converter and CPS HDMI project, and I'm such a giant fan of his. I was so excited to be there and talk to him about all these different things. You can even hear it in my voice. I started talking a little fast because I was getting pretty excited, but uh, even though I'm a giant fan of his work, I still learned a few things in the interview, like I usually do, actually. So it was it was really great. So um, if you're interested in this at all, please give it a listen. Uh, Marcus is just such a laid-back, chill person to talk to. Um, and I'll also be having a video coming up soon about the CPS HDMI project. I've been holding off on that on purpose because there's just a few little tweaks that I want to make sure are done before I do the video that I think will make uh, make everything pop a little bit more, let's just say. But yeah, I'm just, I think that's another game changer as well. Um, and while it's not going to be as widespread as the OSSC, uh, I think it might be in the arcade community. So very excited to get to that at some point soon as well. But for now, uh, all the info you need should be in the interview. And as with all, uh, all interviews I do, they're available everywhere. So just watch or listen wherever is the easiest for you. Video Game Perfection has just announced that production has started on the Koryu project, and it should be available for purchase in early 2020. The Koryu is a device that takes composite video and S-video and converts it to component video, which is kind of funny because, you know, half the people listening now are going, awesome, I could use this for this, and the other half of the people listening are probably going, why the hell would you want that? <laughs> uh, but the truth is, it does complete 
uh, it does fill a hole in the retro gaming hardware scene that is definitely needed. Um, there's, you know, as long as it's able to be sold for cheap enough, I would probably suggest taking one of these over a new input card for somebody buying a BVM. Uh, you know, every input card on a BVM has its own capacitors and its own uh, tweaking and calibrating that you need. So if you already own one, awesome. But if you bought a BVM that only has RGB, I think uh, most of those BVMs do RGB and component as well. Having something like this would also be a pretty big help. And also for people with component setups, you know, I imagine there's a bunch of people out there with a few composite and S-Video only consoles and some component ones. So you could run this directly into the G-Comp switch into the OSSC. Um, the other reason that it's output as component video as opposed to something like VGA is because this can interface directly into the OSSC and take advantage of the low-pass filtering. So you could clean up uh, S-Video and composite quite a bit with that filtering because, it, you know, the, the noisier the signal, the more noise overall, I guess. And you know, I'm oversimplifying that. Steve's probably rolling his eyes at me right now at that statement. But more filtering options is probably the best way to describe it. So uh, there is no pre-order, unfortunately. It's just a mailing list. Uh, but I think Matt's treating it the same way he did the OSSC. So the mailing list goes out when there are some to purchase then it's first come first serve until they sell out so i'll definitely be picking one up i think this is a very cool device uh and like i said some people will have absolutely no use for it whatsoever and there's other people just as excited as me for it right now Raycommend just posted a great review of xeno crisis for the sega genesis and this is a game i've been following for a while now and it's always looked awesome but the more i learn about it the more I want it, and Ray's review really just solidified it for me. I'm going to buy the ROM later and play it on my triple bypass Genesis 1 just for the heck of it, but uh, it looks absolutely awesome, uh, and I'm also kind of interested to see how the Neo Geo version of that plays. Maybe if somebody around here has it, we could try to throw an event and you know have people get a chance to try it out, but it looks absolutely awesome and like, like a very fun game, So, and it also looks like it has the right amount of difficulty. You know, some people, or some game developers indie or not just sometimes seem to make games way too hard and this looks like it's the kind of challenge that's rewarding and not too crazy so i'm very much looking forward to trying it uh, and if you want a, a glimpse of what it looks like on a genesis definitely check out ray's review I just released the latest video in my beginner-friendly Rad 2X series, this time highlighting the PlayStation version of the cable. And while there is a bunch of beginner stuff in there, I did demonstrate on both a CRT and a flat screen the difference between resolution switching times and um, even drove the point home that no matter what console you're using, if you're sending an interlaced signal to a flat screen, so 480i, 1080i, um, it in almost every scenario, it's going to be way laggier than if you use a gaming scaler like the Rad 2X, the OSSC, the RetroTINK. So hopefully uh, I got that point driven home well because it is tempting to just use your TV's deinterlacing. De because on mine, even my, my cheap TV, it really looked great letting the TV do the deinterlacing, but added over two frames of lag. So it's, you know, it's something that it's, it's of course, not the, the Rad 2X making it look bad. It's Bob deinterlacing, the fast, kind of flickery, but zero lag deinterlacing that you should be using for most games. So hopefully the video cleared all that up. And to be honest, I don't know if there's going to be a better solution for PlayStation games with multiple resolutions until the Dan and Kristoff HDMI mod comes out. So 
Uh, hopefully this was entertaining, at least for the uh, intermediate and experts. I got CRT examples in there and stuff like that. And I'm going to try to do the Nintendo multi-out version next. That's going to be a bigger video, though, and I'm going to have a bunch of different comparisons in there. It's not going to be too time-consuming. It's not going to be like an hour-long video, but the amount of work it's going to take to get the side-by-side comparisons, I think a lot of people might not realize how, how long it takes to get some of that stuff. I could spend four or five hours on a 20-second shot. So, <laughs> uh, you know, hopefully it's hopefully it drives the point home the way I need it to, but... I'll try to get that next week, but it's probably going to be more like two weeks. Um, and hope I might even ask for some help with that one because that's going to be a bigger video, but we'll see. And also, I premiered this video. This is the first time I premiered a video on YouTube, which basically just means you select a time for it to go live, and then you could chat pe- with people as if it were a live stream as it's going. And I thought that was cool, so I'm going to premiere any video that I put a ton of work into. Um, the weekly stuff is always more podcast style, so I, I'm not going to ever do it for that. Uh, but for anything that I put a bunch of production value into, and I, I think I'm going to premiere it like that. I think that was a lot of fun being able to chat with people before I went live and, and hear people's feedback in real time. So um, if you see a premiere come up, it's you know probably worth at least glancing at to see if you'd like to see it. So I don't know. But um, thanks for all the feedback on these, and uh, I really hope – I can't wait for these Rad 2X cables to get out into the wild because anybody here, like I keep saying, no, no disrespect, but anybody that already has OSSC setups and RGB monitors – you know, we'll all think it's neat, but beginners, the only time they've ever seen retro gaming involved in, is involving advanced setups. Beginners are really going to be the ones that benefit from this. Having something that you could just plug in and you've actually gotten something, you've actually gotten value for your money. Who would have thought? So let's, uh, you know, let's spread the word and hope to get more people in the scene that were scared away from how much money and work it used to take to get these consoles on flat screens. There's now a new firmware release for the PSIO, which is the optical drive emulator for the PlayStation that plugs into the back. Um, And it looks like they've been hard at work at a bunch of different bug fixes. Um, And Ronnie was able to test this out himself on his PSIO and said that the problem that he would run into is now gone. So it looks like um, they're able to fix a lot of these bugs. So uh, it seems like a no-brainer to me. If you get a PSIO, definitely update it and see if this fixes it for you. And uh, hopefully it's easy to update the firmware on those. I'm not sure where they're at with their website and all that stuff, but hopefully it's easy just to get the firmware and update. The DC HDMI also got a firmware update this week, adding the ability to adjust the gamma setting, which is pretty cool. And another feature, which I'm going to just read exactly what Christoph wrote, because I, I understand what this is, but not deep enough to, to re-explain it. So it's a new RGB 555 and RGB 565 color expansion with optional auto detect. The difference might be subtle, but it really helps with the slightly greenish tint when the Dreamcast is in RGB 565 mode. So this is one of these things that um, my buddy Tech could just look at the screen and see it, and he explained it to me in great detail, and I think just the best way I could I could describe it now without a super firm grasp on it is that just update the firmware, you're either going to see a difference with certain games or you're not, but there's no nothing bad's going to come of this. <laughs> Maybe someday I'll sit down with Tech and have him explain exactly in detail what he found and why this fixes it, but um, actually I would love to do that as soon as we have time to, but for now, just Take your take your update and uh, maybe maybe see a slight improvement in certain games. 
And lastly, Voltar just posted a video about fixing a terribly modded N64 that came from a professional modder. Um, I know a lot of people that listen hate any and all drama, so if you're not in the mood for this, just close the podcast now. You're not going to miss anything else after this. But I hope you do stick around, because I want to spread the word about stuff like this, and I don't know if there's a way to fix it other than to let people know that this stuff's out there. Um, Also, before I begin, I want to drive the point home that we're talking about a modding business. We're not talking about somebody that's done one mod or somebody that does mods just for themselves and their friends. We're talking about a mod shop, like a, you know, they are a business that sells modded consoles. Um, so here's the, the, the overall situation. They sell garbage mods. Um, in fact, the console that was recently purchased has a bunch of long wires and a chip hanging off at the end with no isolation, which means eventually it's going to hit something metal and short out. That's not an if, that's a when, no doubt in my mind. So right off the bat, the console's modded very badly. On top of that, their eBay auctions say things like HD and 1080p. So it doesn't take an expert to understand that you know, this is RGB analog. This is not, you, you can't buy this and then suddenly have a 1080p picture. So their their ads are very intentionally misleading for all of that stuff. And we all know how much intentionally misleading eBay ads bother me. Um, and on, the thing that, that really completes the trifecta of fucked here is they then send this garbage to people that are known YouTube shillers. We all know the people I'm talking about. They're all over YouTube. They'll hold up anything and tell everybody how great it is if they get it for free or get paid to do it or something. And there's a few of them in the retro gaming world, but luckily most people seem to realize who they are, so it's usually not too much of a problem. But that is unfortunately the final nail in the coffin that makes it impossible for newcomers to have an easy experience. So imagine you're somebody that's, you know into N64 and you hear somebody talk about RGB. So you Google it and some information comes up, uh, you're reading up about it. And then you find a YouTuber with a whole bunch of subscribers that holds this thing up and tells everybody how great it is. So you buy it and you're right. You've done everything correct. You, you know, you've done the research, you've done your due diligence. You didn't, you know, you, you kind of went through, especially if you found more than one YouTuber that talked about the same thing, you've done nothing wrong and you've just bought a t- complete piece of shit and throwing your money away. And that drives me insane. And I, I don't know why more people aren't as upset about this as I am, because I'm certainly not oversensitive to people's feelings. I'm a bit of an asshole. It's got to be the opposite. It's got to be that the seller and the shillers have zero remorse and feel zero responsibility for anything they do, which isn't that a psychopath or a sociopath. I can't remember which was which, but Whatever that is, that's what they are, because I couldn't sleep at night if I just held something up and a whole bunch of people pissed their hard-earned money away on it just so I can get a free one or, or whatever. Like I just I don't have that in me. So I don't know how to stop it. I don't know anything other than I will never back down from talking about it, and I will never, ever back down to standing up to the people that do this. Because a lot of people get pissed at me when I open my mouth, especially when it's not the fashionable time to do it. We all know what I'm talking about. Sometimes it's the cool thing to stand up to one thing, and sometimes it's not. I don't give a shit. I've never been cool. I don't want to be cool. I just like being me, and I fucking want to stand up to these people that steal from people and rip people off. And that's never stopping. So I don't really know how else to handle this. When I saw the footage of this stuff. I asked Zach if I could put a PSA at the end. He was gracious enough to let me. 
Um, and the rest of the video is him very nicely walking through what's wrong with the mod. And I almost feel like he treated it uh, as if, uh, from the perspective of, like, what if this was a do-it-yourself mod that somebody had messed up? Here's the right way to fix it. So it was kind of a funny role reversal where Zach was the patient nice one and I rolled in as the asshole in the end. But uh, it's a great video. Please watch it. When you see the me part come up, you could just shut it off because I've already said everything here that I said there. But I don't know what the right thing to do is other than just spread the word and hope that people will continue to spreading the word. And one one great reference, if you, uh, and I'm not trying to promote my own stuff here, but if you want to understand more on why things like this are bad, a couple years ago, I did a video with Zach that made fun of my mod work because I didn't want to shame anybody in the community. And I never mind being the butt of the joke as long as I know what the joke is. So I figured let's take all the, the crap that I did and I'll talk about what was going through my head when I did it, why I thought that was the right way to do it and then walk through the technical reasons on why it was the terrible way to do it, and then had Zach describe what the correct way to do it would be. And I loved that video because, you know, I, we got to share a laugh and get educated. And one kind of funny aside in this kind of tragic, ranty thing, this mod that you see right here is exactly something that we covered a couple years ago as why not to do it that way. So the mod shop that supposedly is fans of our channel... Ugh. So please be careful on eBay. Please, you know, do your due diligence. And if you get ripped off, that sucks so much. And try to reach out to people and and the I guess are in the know and see if you can get it repaired. Um, I I don't know what else to say other than you can't go by eBay feedback because. If you buy something and it works, you're going to leave good feedback, and it might take a year for you to realize that the mod that you bought was garbage. So you can't go by feedback. Unfortunately, you can't go by YouTube subscriber count because of this and all of the others like that scaler. So I don't really know what the answer is. I'm happy to listen to any and all opinions except for trolling. So unless you feel like being a douchebag and saying something mean, any other opinion, please post down below if you have time. Most people don't have time to comment. So if you have time, please post below. I'd love to know any way to solve this problem, prevent it from happening again, or any way that I could do a better job of getting the word out to people. Because it's never about me for any of this stuff. It's always about trying to help people from not having their money taken from them. Well, anybody still with me after that last rant? <laughs> Sorry, I just get really upset when I feel like people are getting stolen from. But on a much lighter note, thank you so much to everybody that listens, everybody that watches, everybody that comments like an adult down below. Uh, and of course, and especially to everybody that supports, because without your help, none of these videos or any of the research would ever be able to happen. So thank you all so much, and I'll see you next week.